0: Welcome, movie buffs and snack enthusiasts, to the tastiest podcast in town, Concession Impressions. I'm Michelangelo, and I'm joined by my partner in culinary crime, Charles. You can say hi. Yep, that's me. (laughs) Today, we're bringing you our honest reviews of the latest movie releases but with a delicious twist. That's right. Our rating system is based on the snacks you know and love or maybe hate from the local theater. The best of the best will earn the coveted peanut M&M's rating while the solid performance will get you a trusty popcorn stamp of approval. Pop. That's the pop of approval. But beware. The not so great movies will earn a hot dog review and the true flops will be relegated to the Net. Bin of shame we're here to give you the inside scoop on which movies are worth your time and taste buds so grab a tub of popcorn sit back and join us for another episode of concession impressions it's the podcast that eats back did you catch my puns in there though i got uh we're gonna give you the inside scoop scoop
1: oh, of ice cream okay oh we abandoned yeah. those okay remember when we used to yeah, do no, scoop
0: metric I, I, I kind of gave up on it i didn't bring it up but I, I thought you know it could have a little home here in the intro and then that's like a little place where we can remember the the fallen for the hardcore little, fans the ones who listened from episode one mm-hmm. anyways On this episode, we are going to talk uh, about the new DC movie, Shazam! of the Gods, directed by David F. Sandberg. Chase, do you want to summarize this film for our lovely audience?
1: Yeah, sure. This film is a continuation of the first Shazam! movie. It's the same cast, only this time... They're a little bit older and they still have the same powers and a new bad guy comes along and they defeat them. That's it. That, that's the whole movie there's really nothing to this story spoilers much i know
0: all right so all right do you want to jump into that then chase you you give me what's your first point about this this movie spoilers ahead chase go ahead what's what's your first point so
1: i guess my first point is that they more or less abandoned the only thing that makes this this story kind of interesting which is the fact that they're children (laughs) you know they're children and you know adopted children nonetheless who are fighting crime and saving the city with this magical shazam power they barely touch upon it it factors in in no way to the story it only briefly complicates the story for one character the jack dylan grazer's character the one with the crutch
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Like yeah, he has his whole He's side the story. only one that
1: has a storyline. Yeah. I, I think this movie is a weirdly large downgrade from even the first movie, which was not that great, Shazam. It just had nothing to say. It was there was no story and it was really boring. I was so, 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 so bored in this. How did you feel about it?
0: I completely agree. And I think one of the two notes actually is funny because I guess we have the same note, so we don't have to really go back and forth on this too much. But I wrote in the movie theater when I was watching it, this is a snooze fest with too much VFX, poorly written characters, bad dialogue, not funny, not amusing, and end credits that would lead to nothing.
1: It's just one of the most uninspired films I think I've ever been into, uh, been in the theater for. I I don't even know what to say. There's almost nothing to take away from this film other than just don't make a film with no dramatic tension. (laughs) You know, like a dramatic movie can't be just the fact that they're superheroes and they fight and you know they might lose their life it has to be something other than that <laughs> like oh if he loses he's going to lose his entire family and i think they were hinting at that like like oh he's growing up he's 18 he's going to get kicked out of his foster family potentially but the, it never felt like that was really a risk that was going to happen to Billy. So like that never really added to the dramatic tension whatsoever because the family is so close from the first frame of the movie. And then you have this whole other thing with the the magic sisters who have no connection to that whatsoever. And they don't even stress that in any way. Like they don't add any greater tension to that stressor on Billy. So what's the point of this whole story? <laughs>
0: At no point did I feel like any of those stakes were even stakes like the whole family thing was just like i knew that there was going to be some conversation later and they kind of just like shoehorned it in before the final fight of like oh and by the way i'm sorry i'm turning 18 i'll move out eventually like as soon as i turn 18 and then the mom saying no just stick around you're, you're always our kid kind of thing you know like it was just like all right this kind of this kind of conflict that they set up in the beginning was so poorly set up that it when it happened it just like felt like they kind of forgot about it and were like oh yeah that like kind of pointless conflict that I wanted to set up at the beginning. Here's the conclusion to it, which is like two sentence of dialogue between two characters in a, in a parking lot before a final fight, which also didn't have any stakes. Cause it's like, Oh my gosh, he's going to have to sacrifice himself to, to save everyone. And then five seconds later, or I guess technically he does die. And then just five seconds later, there's, what's her name? Wonder Woman just comes in in the last second and just brings him back to life, which is like, it I doesn't make sense also because didn't, why couldn't she have done that with Superman when Superman died? And there's just like, it just doesn't make sense with, with, you know, everything. I don't know. It's
1: remarkably bad storytelling. There's at no point do you feel afraid for the characters. At no point are the characters in any real threat at least it doesn't feel like they're in any real threat but I have have a secondary question how much do you think this is because the main actor the kid actor that is Shazam wasn't able to do the dramatic performances so they wrote around it and they just solely relied on the adult Shazam actor to carry a comedic performance throughout the story. The kid actor is literally in the movie for all of like two minutes. Did you catch that? It was
0: so crazy. So I will say this. I also didn't see Shazam 1 ever and I mm. was kind of kind of interested in this one because when I heard people talk about Shazam 1, they're like, oh actually Shazam, the first one was actually a really good like heartwarming fun comedy uh, superhero film. When I watched Shazam 2 I was like, this is like the worst of DC movies where it has like all of the bad stuff and it kind of just i didn't really was like what does this kid even do here other than like kind of hide his identity of like oh no one knows who shazam is because it's actually a kid who turns into an adult which that was like kind of a clever way to have a secret identity however like besides that i was like what does this kid bring to this story like he doesn't do anything the adult doesn't like shazam just fights and you know i don't know it doesn't really feel like anything and also seeing like a bunch of Older people try to pretend to be like Gen Z kids, just kind of comes off as a little cringy and, and awkward. So it's it just like half the time just felt unamusing and uh, kind of awkward and, you know, pointless to that why these the kids are there or why all these characters are in here is like so many characters and you don't really have any character development for any of them is just kind of, it's like an overcrowded, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen kind of situation you got here. It,
1: it's it's just such a wasted opportunity too, because this type of character design, you know, this like the nerdy kid who has the ability to literally turn into his fantasy, right? A Greek god of sorts, a Superman-like character, is kind of like a very fun character to play with. You know, you can play with all of the insecurities that normal Billy Batson has and then show how his superhero alter identity both makes up for them and then also doesn't make up for those those insecurities and those, those lackings or whatever. Uh, and you can kind of develop a really kind of I don't know, like a coming of age story. Like if you think of something like Big, this whole series is basically Big, the superhero movie. Uh, Do Do you know what movie I'm talking about? The uh, It's
0: the movie where Tom Hanks is like uh, a nine year old or something. Yes, yeah, and he becomes an adult. Yeah, okay, yeah, I see it. I see the connection there.
1: But I I think what Big does better is that it it doesn't shy away from the fact that he is like a nine-year-old kid, and so he doesn't understand what's going on. He doesn't have a full sense of things. He interacts with the world, even if he's an adult man, he interacts with the world as a nine-year-old. And I think the first Shazam movie had that balance better, where the Billy Batson character was like 14, 15 or something, and he interacts with the world even as an adult, in an adult superhero body like a 14, 15-year-old would. And I think in this movie, because we never see that other side, the, the Billy... As a the real Billy teenager side, we never get any of that, so it just kind of feels weird. But there's like this like adults scrambling about for such childish problems. None, none, nothing about it feels considered or human. When they're superheroes, they literally don't have of human problems. They have superhero problems, right? So if you're spending the majority of time just dealing with superhero problems, the the movie becomes incredibly boring and unrelatable which is i think why it feels to us so disengaging
0: going off of that and going into the characters that i i really kind of liked a little bit even though i didn't and i'll tell you why in a second but actually somewhat enjoyed the villains of this movie now Mm -hmm. i think a superhero film needs great villains like christopher nolan's uh joker great villain but iron man 2 terrible villain and i think this story had like decent villains where i i at least could understand their feelings and especially when they're sitting at that like little uh the bench and they're talking on that one-on-one and having that conversation shazam and the 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 villain the old the older sister they're having that conversation how she's like you guys kind of stole our powers we just kind of want what was ours kind of thing and she kind of says that kind of whole sentence of like well if you were robbed and then your neighbor ended up finding that stuff and then keeping it wouldn't you want to go over to your neighbor's place and like retrieve the stuff that was stolen from you and i think that was like okay i completely understand these characters and i could i would feel the same way if, if i was them but then it's kind of just like their whole mentality just after that entire conversation just falls apart and it doesn't really matter And then they all kind of just turn on each other randomly. And like the sisters, the three sisters kind of all turn on each other. And then it just becomes like, oh, the one middle sister summons a dragon. It just becomes a CGI like fight. And then they just kind of all die, which is just like such a waste of what could potentially be the best part of the film. And, you know, it was like a terrible end to what could have been a a great character or characters.
1: I think the the villains were the strongest part of this film, but they were also underdeveloped. But just to step back a second, I also think that this is partially a thing with DC movies versus Marvel movies, because Marvel movies have this tendency to be more relatable and human, and they're more about the struggles of a real person who is, who happens to have fallen into this like superhero lifestyle whereas DC movies and DC characters tend to be more of these like archetypes and they're like gods who defend humanity out of the kindness of their own heart like super superman for instance is like the classic DC hero he has no real connection to humanity other than his adoptive parents he is literally the strongest being in the universe or whatever. And he has no weaknesses other than kryptonite, kind of. And he is pretty much infallible, right? And so he doesn't have to have much character development. So when you make a, watch a DC story, almost all of the character development happens in the form of the villain and in the form of the city that is protected by this godlike deity. So whether that's Gotham and the Joker and Batman, all of the character development happens with the Joker, who we learn more about and we learn just how insane he is and what that means for for Gotham City. And then there's like a slight character development for Batman, right? Like he he becomes okay with being slightly darker and and not the like white knight of the city or whatever, you know. From the beginning, middle, and end, he's still this like stoic, heroic figure, right? He doesn't he doesn't change that much. Whereas if you look at something like uh Iron Man, you see a character who begins as a Playboy billionaire character who whose only you know passion in life is making shit that blows up and sleeping with beautiful women. That's all he cares about. And then he goes through this struggle uh, where he starts to really feel the violence that he has been a part of and really suffer the consequences of the world he has helped to create. And from that, you get a Iron Man superhero who has who is a real person uh, and has this super heroic calling. And he becomes, you know, the antithesis of what he was at the beginning. And that's why you fall in love with Iron Man, the character, as opposed to Batman, who's like an ideal. He's somebody that you strive for. And that's sort of the problem with Shazam, is Shazam is a Marvel character in a DC movie. (laughs) And... You kind of can't square those two things, you know? It's like putting a round peg in a triangle-shaped hall. Billy Batson is a character who's incredibly flawed as a teenager, who he he's a, quote, like a bad kid to, to a certain degree. <laughs> he gets in fights, he doesn't always do the right thing, but then he tries to do the right thing when he is given the opportunity to be a good person. But then that doesn't, that's not really how the DC worlds work. So it it just doesn't quite fit, unfortunately.
0: It just doesn't fit. And you can feel it while you're watching it, where you're like, this doesn't really fit well. And it doesn't make sense. And you're kind of confused a lot of it. And I guess now that you mentioned it, I think that's why I felt confused and like weird to this film.
1: My disappointment in this movie is, is largely because I've actually met this director before in person and he is such a like a really nice guy, but he's such a a, a kind of success story for indie filmmaking. He is uh, David F. Sandberg. He comes from I think Sweden, and he made a low budget like horror film called Lights Out. You know, with him and his girlfriend. His girlfriend's in his in this movie, by the way. She's the one in the car uh, that gets saved <laughs> from falling off the bridge. I, I recognized her because she was there at, at the at the time I met. I met him, but he made this really low-budget horror film that did really well, surprisingly, and it, you know, got him a little bit of attention, and then New Line Cinema, like, invested in him, and they put him in charge of the Annabelle series, which, you know, they're, like, not great horror films, but, you know, it's still, like, really cool that this big Hollywood studio, you know, found him and gave him this platform to build all of these this new franchise for them, the Annabelle franchise. And uh off of the success of his like micro budget horror film, now he's doing these like awful Shazam movies and it's just disappointing. <laughs> so I just like I, I went into it expecting more is also part of the problem with this movie.
0: Watching this movie there was no point where I was like, huh, I really want to check out other movies this this director made. But after saying what you what you said, I was like, oh okay, actually like the other movies he did we're way better than this. So, I'm kind of surprised that this movie is so terrible. But I don't know. I don't know where where it comes from. it might have been just writing, like it just could have been just the DC universe in terms of like the current DCEU. I think it's kind of this is like a clear example of DCU is in the gutter and it's been there for a while and then this is just like it's getting worse and worse. And you know, it, it probably wasn't even the director's fault because I actually this goes into my next point actually, which is a third one that I actually didn't even think of, which it wasn't from the movie exactly. It was from the trailers because the the trailers came out and the director himself was like, hey, don't watch these trailers. they're terrible. They spoil everything. and like I can't believe they're making these trailers like this. And I, pretty much what they did was they... Have you watched this trailer?
1: I have not watched the trailer yet, no.
0: Oh, okay. So I'm going to go into it. So he pretty much, in the trailer, they spoil that Wonder Woman's in the film and they show like her showing up in the trailer. And that was kind of like a big thing in, in the movie where she comes in the really end and revives Shazam from, from being dead. And it was like this whole little thing. I don't know. I think what I heard was that they were trying to boost sales and they thought that showing wonder woman in the trailer would be like oh my gosh wonder woman's in this too and then people would want to go to the movies more it turned out to be not that at all the complete opposite because it opened to like the worst opening ever for dc this is probably a good point that it isn't the director's fault and it's probably not like the vfx team's fault they're just doing their job in a way and just kind of following papa dcu's orders this is just to show that like that hopefully is over with now james gunn in the picture and kind of changing things Hopefully they have more or people have more fun and interesting stories to tell and, you know, a better marketing, I don't know, just better all over, just like get us out of here and just start over and, and make everything just fresh.
1: I think it's a fair point to to make that at this level of filmmaking, you aren't making the film by yourself, right? You're making the film with 30 executives and a dozen producers and, you know, the people from... DC Comics, the people from Warner Bros. Studios, the the owner, David Zaslav of, of AT&T, uh, who currently owns Warner Bros., killing random films like Batgirl. These are massive, massive productions, and they're kind of a com- made-by committee, and sometimes that doesn't work. So <laughs> I, I I think it's a fair point to say that that David F. Sandberg doesn't uh, deserve all the blame for this movie
0: you're right but i think let's go into the thing that most everyone wants to hear but they probably already know the answer to you already let's just jump into our concession impressions for this one chase uh why don't you take it first and give us your concession impressions for the film shazam
1: i think it will be no surprise that i want to give it a raisin <laughs> it was bad <laughs> really really bad don't watch it
0: Yes, I completely agree. I also am giving it a Raisinette. It's going into the bin of shame. The Raisinette bin, the place where people who mistakenly bought Raisinettes and then tried it. I'm like, why did I ever buy Raisinettes? And then they throw it away in the trash bin. That is exactly where this film is going. And it's sad. And there's no even, like, takeout takeaway for this, I feel like, besides what we were already saying for the last 20, 30 minutes, which was just, don't do this. this movie. And <laughs> Exactly. So, you know, I think that's kind of all what I got to say today. Well, what about you, Chase?
1: That's all I have to say. Yeah, this movie is just really disappointing, unfortunately. Anyway, I need to go watch another movie that is much better. I don't know what that is, but that's what I'm going to do to cleanse.
0: So that's it here. That's it for this episode of Concession Impressions. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed this episode more than you enjoyed watching Suzam. And if you didn't watch Suzam, consider yourself lucky that you listened to this podcast first. And as always, I'm Michelangelo and I'm joined with my co-host Chase. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FilmCookbook. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, give us five stars and be like, yes, you're right. Shazam is a shitty movie. It is Raisinets. And as always, like we love to hear what you guys' thoughts as well on Twitter, on Instagram, on any of those places you can review us. Tell us what your thoughts are on any of these movies and give us your rating scores. And that's pretty much it. That's all we got to say. We'll see you guys On the next episode, next Saturday of Concession Impressions. Toodaloo, everyone. Bye.